0: I was pleased to see you smile at
2: the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there.
3: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? How do we do that again? <laughs> Fuck it, we'll keep it in. What's up, Laker fans? That was a close call. <laughs> yes. But... On the scoreboard that matters most, Lakers and Celtics are still tied based on uh, just a great performance by the Golden State Warriors. And um, we'll talk more Celtics down down the line. I got a, a story to tell y'all maybe in the second or third segment, but let's start. Hail to the champs. Yes. This, yes. this was a yes. team. This was a team that you saw very clearly before I certainly did. And, What was it about this group that you saw that you saw play out over the course of this
2: finals? You recognize when players have that thing, right? That thing where they just know what it takes. When you've rooted for an organization like the Lakers and you've seen so many championship teams, I feel like you sort of can get a sense of when a team just knows what it's doing and I don't know, man. The Warriors going into the Mavs series, I thought they they understand and have all of the ingredients in order to beat the Mavs. And then after that, to keep going and be a championship team. And I don't know if that makes me like Nostradamus or anything. They were in the first part of the season before they started to deal with injuries. Mike, they were the best team in the league. They look better than Phoenix. And even in one of the most recent pods or a recent pod that you were sort of like, I saw it clearly with them. And then something started to wear me down in terms of what I thought that they could be. And Steph wasn't quite looking like himself. And then Draymond was dealing with injuries and all of this stuff. And it all seemed natural. But. I turn it back around and I start to think like, man, like Steph is still one of those dudes and Draymond is one of those dudes. And there's a competitive fire that they play with when the stakes are the highest. And a couple of pods ago, I was just like, you know, I think they're going to go into Boston and win this game because they seem like the types of dudes that are like, hell no, we're going to win this on your court. Like, as much as you want to hold on for dear life, and Warriors won, what, three straight games to close out the series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they ended it, like, I think, clearly better than Boston. Right? Yes. Like, they they controlled that game six. That's why, like, some of the talking points coming out of like game four and game five was like, you know, Boston shooting themselves in the foot and that they only do this. And if they only do that and Boston's the better team. And it's just like tonight you have to wonder if some of those people are going to rethink that or if they're still going to say, oh, like the better team lost the championship. What
3: what part of the country did those people grow up in that were saying that?
2: <laughs> there might be a little bit of, of East Coast, New England vibes. Really? Oh, that's I can't stemming believe Stemming from it, that. But Mike, uh, I want to hear your thoughts about because look, me and Pete are we are biased observers, right? Die in the wool Laker and, fans, yes. So we are we are the type that, and I've got a second bias too. Like I live in the Bay Area. There's probably no other team that I've watched more than the Warriors outside of the Lakers right and so sometimes they're on at the same time the laker i'm watching the lakers game i get up and then i'll go in the living room my wife will be watching the warriors game and i'll be like okay well let me get a few minutes of game two and, and, and so i do feel like i have uh i had some household rooting interest pete saw my wife sure. a few yeah, minutes we were, ago we were partying and before this she was yeah, excited she getting that vodka we you gotta get her on man <laughs> and so have got a little bit of biases so From a less biased observer, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how it all sort of came together and whether or not you – not necessarily you saw this coming, but when did the Warriors maybe hook you into thinking that they were were ready to do this? Because they've come a long way in two seasons. The way that they started the season,
4: and they were every bit as dominant, if not more, than Phoenix – And they stayed that way up until the point where Draymond got hurt for the first time. And the major question mark that they had going into the postseason was that Steph got hurt on March 16th and didn't play for the rest of the regular season. Mm -hmm. So Steph went a full month and we didn't know if he was going to be himself, if he was going to be able to come back. And because it was it was one of those weird kind of his his foot slash ankle got rolled up on right against Boston. Uh, By the way, Marcus smart. We remember the play. Mm And Mike, so he the, came off
2: the bench to start the playoffs. Just a reminder. Yeah. Right? Oh, I totally came forgot about the bench, that. He did not start 22
4: minutes game one, 23 minutes game two, right? Jordan Poole was starting. And but not only did Steph get to be fully healthy. But Clay got to be back to looking like Clay finally in the finals. Like, not even to start the finals. He was still trying to find himself. And then all of a sudden, he's defending Jalen Brown for most of the game, ineffectively. And, and he's defending Jason Tatum. And that was the Incredible. part of Clay's game that wasn't quite there. Now, the shot selection was very Clayish and it didn't work great <laughs> he uh, was killing for most of the finals. Mike, oh, my God. And he's killing me tonight. He was trying to force game six Clay so badly. Yeah. But yeah. it didn't. And this is the beauty of Clay, though. It didn't matter because of what he was giving you on the other end and because 100%. of the spacing that he creates, because of how Boston had to freak out every time he he had that aggression. So that's always been the beauty of clay. When he takes the bad shot, it still causes the defense to react a certain way. So to summarize Golden State like they I heard so, in some of the post game, right, there were some of the like Van Gundy was saying, oh, this is the least talented Warriors team. And it's like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's still an incredibly talented team. An I mean, incredibly deep champion,
3: team, right? Yeah. They've
4: got Hall of Famers. They've got a, uh, Andrew Wiggins playing like the the hope that Andrew Wiggins would turn into as a former number one overall pick, right? Um, as their fourth piece, uh, Kevon Looney, who's come a long way. Gary Payton, the second, who I think could credibly start um, for basically any basketball team. I think he's proven that. So it's just a it's a loaded team that and, and the reason why that they're great, though. Kind of got summarized to me when Lisa Salters asked Steve Kerr about himself, and he's like, well, Bob Myers is great. And then Bob Myers is like, well, actually, the families and the uh, the wives and the children are great, but then it's the players. And then Kerr again, and it's, and it's Steph. They've got this unity, right, um, amongst yeah. each other. And that plays off in the way they play defense. Everybody on that team defends. And if you don't defend, then you go to the bench. And that was ultimately what wore down Bo- a very talented Boston team. And I said Warriors in seven. I thought the Boston was going to eventually wear down, but Darius called it. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I think they might be worn down now yeah. for game six. And so uh, you, you called that one, D.
3: I think the ideas of perseverance and endurance are really what stood out to me in this year's finals. And from the Warriors perspective, you were talking about Clay, Mike, and I was thinking – Everything that he's been through over the last few years that there are so many rungs of the ladder you have to climb from having multiple really bad injuries to your player to your legs to being able to guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in an n b a finals game, right like it's one thing to come back and be like, "Oh, I'm back, and it's January in a regular season game and and then maybe one of the next rungs on the ladder is. His first 20 point game since coming back after being hurt for that long. And then maybe there's another milestone that he hits to go from that type of damage to your leg to back to defending elite wings and playing great defense. Because you're exactly right, Mike, that regardless of what was happening with Clay's jumper, Clay was defensively, a big part of all those turnovers. I've been talking all playoffs about how you got to attack Boston's handle. You got to turn them over, ball pressure, ball denial, all that stuff. Well, the execution of that involves a level of athletic ability and a level of of attentiveness. The attentiveness was always going to be there for a guy like Clay D. But to get physically back to the point where like, yeah, you may have intentions on attacking Jalen Brown's gather point, but if you can't physically move yep. to a certain level, that's pretty high. Then he's gonna just kick your ass all night. And that Clay is back here is just a real blessing, and that and and stays. Stephs had his injuries and whatnot, but just the perseverance of Clay and all that. I couldn't help but think of that while they were celebrating in the post game ceremony. Just really cool to see him in this spot.
2: I know that there's gonna be some fans that like, oh, they don't like the Warriors or. They have this rivalry with Northern California, like especially if you're a Lakers fan, then I get that to a certain extent. Personally, if there's like an unlikable player on the Warriors, it might be Draymond Green or someone like that. But it's just like I personally love Draymond. Draymond's Mm -hmm, the type of dude that like he is my type of guy. If you listen to yesterday's pod, you'd hear me talking about basketball IQ and how sometimes you need maybe a little bit more of that than you do like the run and jump guy. Now, Draymond in his prime was definitely he had some real strong athletic chops, too. But like the thinking the game part is something that I've always appreciated. And the Warriors bring a ton of that across the board you can't Mm -hmm. play the style of basketball that they play on both sides of the floor unless you're like a thinking player and a player who has a certain level of understanding about the game and so i root for these guys because they play a style that I appreciate. They play a style that is familiar to me as a Lakers fan who grew up watching the Showtime Lakers, a team that loved to pass the ball that played together. That was, that was renowned for their offense, but it was their defense. That was one of the backbones Mm -hmm. of what made them special as Mm -hmm. a franchise and as an organization. And they're a team that went down as one of the greatest dynasties ever. And, I think it's worthwhile that we spent the entire first segment discussing a team now that has won four championships in eight seasons and that they have accomplished something special within the history of the NBA. And as a Lakers fan, I recognize that and I understand for all the teams that I saw that have won that it's hard and it's why those dudes were in tears after the game. It's because it's hard and you should appreciate that. And look, the other team lost. And I'm happy that team lost, too, because, you know, that's the team that we never want to see win, honestly, ever, never, ever, ever.
3: Yes, we, we never want to see that team win, Darius. Uh, but I have some thoughts on them that I want to share on the other side of the break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So
3: one of the first things you hear on this podcast during the intro, right, we got all the little voiceovers, the audio and whatnot, is Chick Hearn asking, do you you check any of the box scores? And you hear a voice back that says, just the Lakers. And that's Larry Bird. And so Chick Hearn used to interview usually the team's best player during the KCAL nine days
2: at halftime. They would air. These were legendary, just like. Man, go and thank find you. these in like the YouTube clips. Like, the Elajuan
3: yes. one? Oh man. He's so Chick is openly tampering with Akeem Olajuan in this half-court halftime interview. He's like, hey, we got we got pretty girls. We got like the weather's good all the time. And he's like a free agent this season. So like Chick is openly trying to get Lajuan to LA. Sadly, never never happened. But anyway, these were let I'm thank you for jumping in there. these were legendary things that Chick used to do. That if you're an OG Laker fan, you remember this. And so during one of these, he asks Larry Bird, do you check the box scores around the league? And he says, just the Lakers. And that is part of the intro in part because it reflects a singularity of focus on all all these other teams in the league, but to Laker fans especially and Celtics fans to a lesser extent because we've always been pursuing them right and so our energy toward them is not it's a little more than there's can be for for us especially these days anyway and so that's one of the reasons it's part of the intro is because it reflects this certain amount of like yeah there's all these other teams but it's just the two of us right, right. and so i too as somebody who my job is to be hyper focused on the lakers i do watch the rest of the league but there is the level of detail that i commit to knowing the Lakers is just so much higher than any, any other team. But the team that I always watch the second most or follow the most, whether it's box scores or otherwise, is the Celtics. And so this Lakers season was remarkable in its unfunness. It was incredible. Anytime something was like, hey, that was fun, it was like, ah, like LeBron's hurt. Or Austin hits a three 2 win a game in Dallas. Yay. Oh, it's a super spreader event. Everybody gets COVID. <laughs> they were showing pictures
2: of everyone hugging like yeah, after, like know, after the game. Like, everyone know, like, was oh, like no, in each other's that's faces. All bad.
3: Oh, they're just breathing <laughs> on each other. It's all bad. And it was like, uncanny. and AD got hurt
4: the next game, by the way.
3: Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Damn it. Mike. It was uncanny, guys. It was unfreaking canny. And it was one of those things where it was like, well, this is it, it felt like intervention from the basketball gods type of thing with our season. And so, I am deeply immersed as we all are in this really unfun Lakers season because that's our job is to do our best and to have this podcast and all the other forms in which we we cover the Lakers. But it was a deeply unfun team to be a part of. And so, in the absence of any fun from my team, the second team the team that i'm rooting against right is always the celtics and they stunk they were like equally unfun to us to start this season now i i always agreed with mike in the idea that they were they had a little bit of bubble tax and they had have had some injury issues where like they'd gotten pretty far they challenged remember they pushed that lebron cavs team d to seven games like they've become they're, like they're they have something there but it's like yo you're Below 500 at the halfway mark. You know, the last team to make the finals that was below 500 at the halfway mark was the 1981 Houston Rockets. What the Celtics did this year, the turnaround that they had was incredible. And so I'm watching amidst this incredibly unfun Lakers season, like, well, at least my enemies stink. They look bad, they haven't got any more future draft picks from Sacramento or Memphis or some team where it's going to be converted into a superstar or anything like that. And if you watched them, they were really disconnected. Tatum, Brown going one-on-one. They had Dennis Schroeder in the rotation at the time. Cantor was on the team and not playing much, but kind of brought a bit of a sideshow to the whole thing. That, But the point is, they stunk. They had that like... You know how we became funky at one point? This Lakers team, it was like, oh, you've been sitting in your funk. Like, we were just, it was bad. Bad mojo, bad vibes, all of that, right? The Celtics had a lot of that. I'm like, ah, thank God. And then it flips around, and they have this legendary film session in their whole story, right? And what stood out to me, there's a lot of different components of this that I could go down. But what stood out to me is their perseverance and their ability to fight through their problems. My biggest complaint about this Lakers season is I felt like we gave up on a lot of things too easily. A lot of like the steps along the way. And this even re- was reflected on uh, in the attitude of the team on the floor. During the Darwin Ham press conference, one of Rob Palenka's comments was like, last year's team didn't really have that identity of toughness. They certainly did not, and it was a lot of this like we get pushed and we don 't push back, we face a little bit of adversity, and we crumble and so that ability to face adversity and then fight through your problems and work through it and and keep at it and keep persevering is something that on a night where I am deeply relieved and happy and grateful, and you know Audrey and i were were partying beforehand uh before we started the pod. On a night like that, I just want to acknowledge that they have put themselves in the position where like, this is not the end of their story, and it is in large part because they persevered and fought through things, and they're going to be in the conversation for a few years. They will face some challenges. I think this season was probably really difficult on a guy like Al Horford and, cause they, and, and one of the things like Udoka, the job that Udoka did, he simplified things, like he stuck to his principles, but he also simplified things. We're going to strip down to a seven, eight man rotation. We're going to switch everything. And they knew and understood their drive and kick reads as well as, and, and, and this was what was incredible. As they started turning around, you'd be like, Celtics had fucking 30 assists on 35 makes tonight. Like what? And because if you watched them earlier in the year, it was unfathomable. They were not, they weren't passing the ball. And so the, to me, that is film work. That is staying on your principles. That is focusing on the work, right? And, and still, and working through it that I think they deserve a lot of credit for getting to where they are. So I felt, I, I don't know why I felt like the need to get that off of my chest, but I, I respect what they did this season.
4: Well, I think the reason you felt like you wanted to get that off your chest is because of the sheer unadulterated joy that you had been experiencing uh, for the prior few minutes after they lost. And and the terror that was in your heart uh, that Brother, we, we tried to address. and I And I knew that I was contributing to the fear when I No, no, no. I knew they were good,
3: Mike. I knew they were good. No, no, no.
4: I knew you did, but I'm saying this is this is what I'm saying. This is the emotional, right, versus the uh versus the head. And but sure. in the finals, though, and like I again, Golden State was good enough to beat them, and they did. Uh and and that was but I've just been enjoying in a you know, not enjoying seeing you stress, certainly, but My Celtics experience is just going to be different, right, from yours, because I came to the Lakers in 2009. Therefore, the Celtics have never won a meaningful game against the Lakers since I've been like. So, there's never been some major loss, and that's where rivalry and heartbreak is is. Thank uh, you for bringing
3: this up, Mike. When I was so. When I, one of my first basketball memories Is the 84 finals Which we lost And I remember crying and crying and crying Because Louis Bird Because I couldn't say Larry at that age uh, Because Louie Bird And so my dad will always crack up about Louie Bird That right there That is totally where it comes from That whole like, fuck, this sucks Right, like, fuck yeah. these guys And then, it, but it comes through lived experience In ways where I hear I'll hear like a younger Laker fan even talk and they're like legit hardcore Laker fans, but they didn't go through that, so so it's yeah, just not the same thing
4: so it now it can be handed down, of course, and then you feel that way because your parents did, and that's one thing that's beautiful about Lakers' families and all there's various different season ticket holders who I now like their kid was ten when I met him and now is like twenty four right and on twitter Crazy. and yeah. and all that but I, so I exper- I got to first really learn about the experience of what how the Lakers truly felt about the Celtics in doing a bunch of Laker history pieces my first year and then in doing the big Dr. Buss story because everybody that mm. I asked about Dr. Buss that really knew him well almost started with his pure hatred yes. of the Celtics and how much of a motivator that was. And yes. so so I then – so I, of course, can pick that up. In transference. Um, but I also, as somebody that reports on the team, it's like a little different from what you were saying about how locked in you are on the Lakers. Like a big part of my job is kind of understanding what's going on with the opponent. Here's who's injured for that team. Here's who's playing well for that team and then contextualizing it with the Lakers. So it's just a little bit of a different approach. And yours is much more pure of heart, where it's just like the color green, right? And and I happen to even have a a Kelly Green t-shirt on right now. has
3: a green and white t-shirt on right now.
4: Which Mitch Kupchak yelled at me for having a green polo shirt on (laughs) my first year. I've told that story before. But my boys happen to play on a baseball team in the South Bay um south bay pony all-stars and it and the colors are a uh, green with with gold right and and so like that's the mom and dad gear and i came straight from a game um and like was well you know my wife drove home so i could watch the game the uh finals game on my phone but i didn't know that that pete was going to see it and i had i had, <laughs> had the celtics once and i, I would have changed OK, oh, that's um, very kind out of, of respect. But Thank since you. they lost, you know, it was uh, it was fine. So, oh, Darius, let me Celtic- let me kick wait, over to the you. Celtics yeah.
2: lost. <laughs> and oh, th- and oh. they're
4: just like your tweet. Right. So you, of course, relate to the Pete side of that. And while I understand it, I don't have the the feeling right that you guys do uh, in seeing it. Right. Despite the fact of, of how much I recognize it. Let's go to break here because
2: we will talk a little bit more Celtics on the other side. So like Pete, I also remember just the bloodbath matches between the Lakers and the Celtics. And I'm glad that you brought up the fact that the intro piece, that that was Larry Bird saying that, because Mm -hmm. people might have thought it was actually like a Lakers player or someone associated with the team that was saying that. But no, it was Larry Bird. And Magic Johnson talked a lot too about sort of the tit for tat idea that him and Larry Bird had going across the country when there was no really sports center, there was no internet, there was no Twitter, there were no House of Highlights or, Mm. right? None of that. Mm -hmm. No Instagram, nothing, right? And so you picked up the newspaper the next day or on the local news if you're in LA and like they would tell you like, okay, well, yeah, like the Celtics won or the Celtics lost and like they would cover that on the sports for the LA channels. And so growing up, you understand what it's about and you learn to hate these teams. You learn to hate them. You learn to hate the players. Like there was no player. I hated more than Kevin McHale. I hated Kevin Mm. McHale. And it's funny. I was doing the 87. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. This is,
3: yes, this is an eternal thing. I was going through the 87 clips for that mix and, so I'm going through the raw footage, and inch, inch touches the ball. So I'm not getting no context of the inch touches the ball. The whole form, boom, oh, just man. like just lights up the moment that dude touches the ball, and then of course he fucking whines to the officials on like uh, some. Oh, Danny, uh, Ainge. he was the worst. Danny
2: Ainge was the worst. I'm going to love it if Utah falls off now. Just like I don't carry the Utah animosity. You, you need my thoughts on Utah? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike's got that covered for us. Yeah. No, but now that Danny Age is there, like, look, hey, I'm going Hey, we could. That's right. Yeah, I could root against that. They,
4: they will be falling off.
2: <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. That's it's planned. Yes. I think that's yes. part of their plan. And
3: yeah.
2: so, so Danny Ainge, Kevin McHale, all of those dudes, like Cedric Maxwell.
3: Did you see worthy
2: tweet to Maxwell
3: tonight? I'm telling you, yes, sir. This is like this is a Laker thing. It's part you, of it's part of who we are. And James's been see through the those tweet, wars, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. The choking. Okay, all right. The choking. And yeah, that's yeah, great.
4: Yeah. What happened, Cedric Maxwell 81, with the with the hands ah. over his throat? Congratulations, Warriors.
3: Get that Celtic ass, James. That's right. Uh,
2: so we grew up this way. And right. like, look. I was telling Pete before we started to record, and this is before that you were on with the spike, but my kids were like, oh, you know, like, oh, I feel a little bad for the Celtics. And my oldest is just like, you you know, like, even though we hate the Celtics, even though we hate the Celtics. And they're, so, they're learning
3: the rules. They're learning the rules. So yes. yeah.
2: we're already on firm ground here. At least I feel like I'm raising empathetic kids, right? Because it's like, oh, I, I sort of feel bad. Like, look how sad. Yeah. Look how sad they look. And I'm just like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, they look sad. Good. That's good that they look sad. We want them to be sad. We want them to lose every single game. And that's a thing that I that's learned behavior now for me, Mm -hmm. like that's embedded in who I am as a basketball fan. And so, like I said, I am a biased observer when it came to this basketball series. And so I'm personally thrilled with the outcome i know pete was and is too and i think all lakers fans should be right we you don't even have to root for the warriors no right no, like, it's you inherited this not, yeah, this is your yeah, birthright you no i didn't want the celtics didn't
4: need to get uh, you know an, an additional title title more than lakers no like, no nah, no didn't happen.
2: no never we never want that to happen ever and so honestly it's funny because i listen to the bill simmons podcast a lot people will probably think i don't know
3: how you do it i just just
2: i I just do i I just always have i just do during the finals i did not listen after game one and i did not listen after game three because i didn't want to hear the positivity i didn't want to hear the gloating but you better believe i was listening after all of the games that they lost. <laughs> you can so, listen tomorrow too. <laughs> we'll see if he pods, right? Yeah. Like we'll see if he mm. does. But it was so fun to sort of listen after game five because like him and his buddy who were Boston people, they were just having one of those vent sessions that happens like that has happened in our text threads or happens offline, right? No, those don't. Those don't see the light of day within the context of our Laker fandom. A lot of people don't get that side, but they had that in public, Mike. It's one of those things that when you really love a team, those are the feelings that start to come out. And when you really dislike a team, that's like... I might as well be at like the finest opera ever. Right. Like, oh, that's that's music to my ears. Like, feed me more of your sadness when it comes to your Celtics fan suffering, because that's my joy, especially. And look, I don't care to say it this way. It's just like the Lakers had a terrible season. They were awful this year. I didn't even want to tweet about Celtics losses or Clippers losses or anything like that this season, because I felt like it was so unfun. Like there's no joy. There's no joy in that for me. My own pain from the season was overflowing so much that I can't even, those are like crumbs. That was not fulfilling, but today was fulfilling. I enjoyed it.
4: I'll I'll say this too, though. You guys are smart Laker fans, right? That's how I first learned of you. You know, like I didn't I didn't know who you were. It wasn't like you you guys came in and you were the local, you know, NBC reporter or you were at the L.A. Times, Pete or whatever it was where I would have just Mm -hmm. been there, work with you. I heard about you guys because you were able, A, you were smart and B, if the Lakers lost and played poorly, you would say so. If they played great and won, you would say so. And I think that some Celtics fans can do the same thing. In fact, I think Simmons is pretty good about being honest about where the the Celtics are. So you can and I, I grew up this way um having a brother and and like he was my brother but we would fight all the time and if he and like we could call each other out on something and like i know some other brothers that that have a different kind of relationship and then there are some fans that are just going to be homers no matter what usually Mm -hmm. they're the ones that don't watch the games that closely though so Mm -hmm. i've always pushed back and maybe that's for my own sake and it's selfish because of what my job is to be like well you can't talk about the lakers because you work for the lakers right so I've sure. I've always kind of pushed back at that. And I think you guys do fit into that for and I think that people like hearing what you think after a tough Laker game because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to just be sugarcoated. Even right. if you're feeling even if you want them to do great. Right. And there's a little maybe there's a defensive part of it. If somebody if a Celtics fan is talking to you, whatever, but I don't oh, yeah, think no, that you can't
3: you can't yeah. ever give ground to them. No, I don't know. What, I don't know what to say to that. I I, I get that. Like, yeah. You don't want me to go on my Boston media rant. So go ahead.
2: No, I always say though that I think, Mike, like our Lakers fandom is rooted in the era in which we grew up watching the Lakers, which is greatly informed by Chick Hearn and just like the coverage Mm -hmm. around the team and what types of fans he inspired us to be because he was the only voice that we really ever heard talk about the Lakers on a daily basis. Right? Like we are so spoiled now as fans. The Lakers and y'all know this but the lakers put up youtube clips of every media hit that every that the coach does every single day after every practice after every shoot around pregame, postgame. post-game it all goes up on the internet every player comment goes up on the internet and so we get such great access now to yeah. the team but the access most of the access that you and me got, Pete, as kids growing up yes. watching the Lakers was through the prism of Chick Hearn. Yes. Right. And so mm. he was the one who was doing like halftime interviews, not only with opposing players, but with Lakers players. So he'd have a sit down and there he is with Magic Johnson. That might be that the only time. With Kobe. You yes. can
3: play with the Lakers 19, 20
2: years, aren't you? That That was one of those things. That was maybe the only time that you might get five six straight minutes of just listening to magic johnson talk or listening to michael cooper talk or listening yeah. to james worthy talk and though that was our access and, and and chick could be as harsh as anyone right and he would tell you what he was watching and it's what made him the best to me is is he told you what he saw and what if if what he saw was not what he wanted to see or was not to the quality that would be expected of a great team, then he would tell you. And so that informed the way that I looked at the Lakers as a fan. And when I see other fans that do that, regardless of who they root for in terms of their allegiances, those are the types of fans that I gravitate to. And whether they root for the Warriors or whether they root for the Rockets or whether they root for whoever, those are the fans that those are types of fans that I seek out. And those are types of fans that I think we've all had positive interactions with through all of these different social channels in which we we have this sort of NBA fandom together. Yeah. Right and it's one of the reasons why i always say that i'm a lakers fan but i'm a basketball fan first it's because i learned to love the game by watching a great team but also a great sort of voice narrate great teams to me yes and that was
3: he was man he been he's been my my avatar on pretty much every social channel since the beginning uh, for exactly that reason man it's like that the he transported you into a world, a world, and an, an, he had a way of describing basketball. He used to do the simulcast, right? So he was doing TV and radio at the same time, and because uh, radio was such a popular medium for so much of his tenure, too, that was important. And so he was describing every little detail. When I was going through the '87 finals, talk about someone in their prime, Chick yeah. Hearn. Well, my calling I've- the fast paced Lakers teams, the Showtime teams that went up and down, calling every detail, Mike, every detail, D, and, and that, uh, you know, the distance of the shot, what side of the court are they on? What position are they in? What is the defender doing as this is happening? All of that, like it's, it was, and, and so for me, these playoffs in particular, I just, I want to thank the, the listeners to the pod. This is the end of the season and we really tuned our attention toward the general NBA and the playoffs. And there was a lot of non Laker talk over these last couple of months. And thank you to everybody who stuck through that. Um, we've tried to make, to give a good faith effort to tell the basketball stories of that, that we can in the absence of the Lakers. And so, so guys, that's just something that, and thank you for being on this ride with me this season. Um, to do that, I, I thought we really, attacked this as as best as we could it was important to me to to go on this journey with you guys
4: well and and i pete i want to echo that and i just think too that it's it's always a benefit to really knowing and understanding the rest of the league um and the rest of the teams for your own team right and for the context of your own team just like mm-hmm. in any business what is the competition doing are they yeah. doing things better uh what are the best practices and And hopefully if you're a Laker fan and you just didn't have the time to do that, hopefully you could just listen to a couple of these pods and hopefully we were able to summarize it well enough, right? Where we watched those games and then could sort of tie that into some level of Laker context um, as we think about the roster and we think about what do the Lakers have to do to get to that point? Like how far away are they? Like where do they start with the Brown and AD? So hopefully that was the idea. It wasn't just like, oh, there's no Lakers to talk about. We just want to talk about the games. Hopefully it all ties into that larger spirit of of basketball in the NBA.
2: Amen. Yeah. And it goes back to what I was trying to say earlier too about loving the NBA. We're NBA fans. We're basketball fans. If the Lakers aren't on, and I know Mike is like this, that there's going to be a basketball game on in my house. Right? It's just like, okay, ate some dinner. Let me check in on like, what do the Bulls look like tonight against the Magic Or what does this team look like against that team? And you just get a sense of what's going on around the league. You box score watch. You try to figure it out. And you do get a better sense of where the Lakers are in comparison to everyone else. And it's one of the things I'm looking forward to as we transition into the offseason is seeing what the team does in order to try to get to the level That we just witnessed between two teams playing as hard as they possibly could to win the NBA championship. And there were plenty of times during this game six that both teams looked gassed physically and mentally. And I missed rooting for my team in those instances. It was great to root against a team. Mm -hmm. and it was great watching my wife root for her team and get all the high fives and taking a bunch of funny pictures and just being hyped and excited because her team won but i say this every year when i talk to anyone who knows me especially up here in the bay area it's like i root for the warriors 78 times a year and so next year mike i want the lakers to be Kicking the defending champion Warriors well, asses. That's,
4: that's where I was going to go. Because guess what? All of a sudden, LeBron, if LeBron wants to get back to the promised land, now it's got to go through Golden State again. It's got to go through Steph great again. Would that be? You know Give what me I mean? Give me a they're,
3: Western Conference finals of LeBron versus Steph. I mean, look, they're, Come that's, on. Let's to me, do
4: it. Golden State is better than Phoenix right now. Let's do it. And, Let's get and there. we'll see. So there, and that that wasn't the narrative essentially going into last season. We had to see Clay. Right. We had to see how that all fit in. What's Draymond going to do? How about all these young guys in Golden State who three young lottery picks who haven't played? What's that? Like all that stuff now is in play. And here's LeBron sitting watching Steph celebrate, watching Mm -hmm. Steph get his finals MVP. That Mm -hmm. wasn't going into 1920. You knew that wasn't going to be the Warriors were going to be there because Clay wasn't going to be there. So that's another level of intrigue. And and I'm I'm guessing we'll do a pot or two about it this summer.
3: We, you know, we certainly will. And this summer, yeah, we're going to be transitioning, uh, going to be almost exclusively Lakers stuff for a little while. We're going to have a draft preview uh, soon with with Mike. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, this is going to be one of the More interesting summers we've had in a bit in a lot of ways that that I think this can go. So fascinated to see where that goes. Guys, thank you for a a great season. We really enjoyed getting into all of the details and all of the arguments and all of the just you've helped me become a better fan and analyst and, and just see the game better by virtue of these conversations every day. So, all right, that wraps up this season. We will be back on Monday, probably with the draft preview. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
2: Woo! James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. That's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good!
1: Play. That That's for the winner. It's on the way. No! Toby Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA finals record.
0: A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so
1: around
4: for
0: this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right,
4: in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you
1: kidding me? Toby Hard to believe. Are you kidding
4: me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasson. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the four move. Two.
0: two one. Missing. Bryant! Unbelievable. One one it's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah with a little tap to
4: alvin gentry that insulting the injury kobe i mean what a shot i mean you can't defend that are you kidding me 2.1 seconds remaining denver a foul to give jokic trying to disrupt rondo he puts it in here's davis four three in the win. oh
0: it's good anthony davis has won it for the lakers james again oh he hits another one lebron james